Arizona, 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 Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with a decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Eric just mentioned in the Sports Center update, the Coyotes at home tonight. Mullet Arena taking on the Dallas Stars. 7 o'clock face-off. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And joining us right now for his weekly visit, the general manager of the Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, who joins us on the Burns and Gambo Show. Bill, welcome to the show as always. Hope all is well. Well, thanks very much for having me. Uh, it's a big night for us. Play the Stars, and uh, we're going into the Mullet Arena. By by the way, it is the best name in sports for an arena. By the way, <laughs> I, listen. I was wearing the, uh, the home opener. They gave out all the mullets, so I actually uh, I actually put one on. I took a couple photos with the mullet, uh, the fake mullet on. Yeah, I, I saw that. You look great, and uh, <laughs> hey, we embraced it. <laughs> we embraced it, and uh, uh, it, it was a great night. You know, the opening night, fans were so loud in there. I know our players were very appreciative. It just uh, it felt so good to be home and uh, have the Coyote fans cheering for us. It was it was a great night. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you both angles. But what do, what do you like about the arena? <laughs> oh, I got a good one for you. This one. I, I, I like the fact that you're, you know, as a fan, uh, you're so close. You're, you're so close to the the action. It's incredible, and it's just, it just, it makes you feel a better connection to the players and team. Um, I know our team feels the same way. It's loud in there. It's connected. It's, it, there's a warm feeling. It's brand spanking new. There's a good feeling about us playing in there. Um, you know, we played it Tuesday night. It was sold out in there. It was just, it's a good feeling to play in front of our fans. Um, probably the only negative is that the uh, the fans are so close to my box. Um, you know, they. I say hi to pretty much 4,500 people uh, a, a night during the game. So that's uh, – <laughs> they're waving to me. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> We're really close. Well, tell me about the ice, too, because like, there's been a lot of people talking oh, yeah. about the that the ice is, you know, much much better than it was in Glendale. Not as, not as choppy, not as soft. Give me your, th- yeah. your impressions on what you're hearing from players about the quality of the ice. Listen, we play the fastest game on ice. In, in the ice we have, we just made it a little bit faster. I've never seen anything like it, um, just the glide of the puck. When they shovel the snow, you know, every few, uh, every 10 minutes, there's no snow coming off. It's just, you know, we've had such trouble. I mean, it's a, it's a thing that people don't really think about, but when we were in Glendale, we drew water from three wells, and it was three different types of water, and it would just mess up, and everything would become chippy, and, and the best we could do was just keep it below average ice in the NHL, and, and to get on that ice sheet and just have that, with the new, the highest technology, and they've just got to perfect it there. It is the best ice sheet. Uh, in the NHL, hands down. Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. I, I was reading an article after the debut at Mullet Arena, and you're right, it is the, the perfect name. Um, the locker rooms and when the annex is going to be done. How much input yep. have the players had into that facility, and and how when that happens, you know, there's really there's nothing else wrong with the arena. I mean, other than the size of it, right? I mean, once yep. that is built, that's pretty much going to make you an NHL arena other oh. than the size of the arena itself, correct? 
Yeah, and and I, and I I think if you go through and ask the players, they're going to tell you about the size of the arena and the warmthness and the loudness. They love it. Um, and, and when our dressing rooms are built there at ASU, they're two-story dressing rooms. It's, it's a beautiful space for our team. It's going to be perfect for us to play out of. Everything's there. The weight room. We got outdoor turf field. It's the perfect setup. And you know, it, people take it. You know, they, there's there's little things about our move. You know, we're out at the ice den. It's, it's close for our players. They deal with little traffic. You know, we got a uh, full training facility out there now. We got a new dressing room built out there, and now we're at ASU, which is another 15 minutes down the road for us. It's a great setup for the players and a great step, uh, setup for lifestyles. There's no traffic, and it's completely efficient. And we couldn't be more excited about being in Tempe and being uh, being at ASU. All right, let's let's talk about getting that first win. It was nice to get that that win. You don't want to go 0 and 4 and then. And, you know, head back out on a long road trip. So that win over Florida was a good one. You got the great power play goal by Kraus. Your special teams have been fantastic. I thought Hayton did a good job in front of the net. And then Richie, uh, Richie with the power play goal. Uh, just a terrific play. Moser to Keller and then Keller to Richie for the goal. You guys have really excelled, you know, uh, on the power play. The penalty kill has been really good for you guys this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's been. It was an outstanding effort to, to beat Florida, a real good uh, team. But uh, like you said, the power play's been rocking. We got two units. We got, you know, the uh, the Kellers and the Ghosts on one with Richie, and then you've got Matias, uh, uh, Michelli, and Gunther on the other one uh, with with uh, Valimaki. It's just we we've got some young guys out there, and they can really zip the buck around. And uh, we've been a threat. We've been a danger uh, danger on both both units. So it's just it's been good. It's given us another dimension. And just with our PK, we added a. John Madden, who's uh, one of the best uh, PK coaches in the league, to our staff, and he's done a wonderful job. And I think, you know, also for us to win against Florida, our goaltender, Veggie, he had to stand on his head, and, and he was outstanding. And so when our goaltending's good, gives us a chance to be in the fight, and, uh, and uh, the team was uh, found a way to win. Boy, he got a lot of help from the from the pipes on that in that game, though, didn't he? I mean, I, I think I counted about five pucks that hit the that hit the pipe. Hey, you want him to stop those two? No, I mean, God, no, I, I mean, now, now you're asking a lot of them, no? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, I, listen, there was there was some big hits in the game, you know, as well. Yeah. So, you know, you're, I think it was maybe, it's, I can't remember who it was, maybe O'Brien put somebody over the boards. Um, yeah, O'Brien, yeah, O'Brien. Was it O'Brien that put somebody over the boards? Yeah. That was, that was a big yeah, hit. Yeah, O'Brien in the third period, he caught Reinhardt, yeah. Oh, that was a big one. But I thought, yeah, the goaltending was outstanding. Hornfist had a breakaway early in the game. You got to stop yeah. there. That was tremendous. And in the last couple of minutes, after you guys went up to one, they put tremendous pressure on you guys yeah. before you got the empty net goal by Keller. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you know, like you said, it was an exciting game to watch. It was back and forth. I mean, listen, we're we're in the rebuild. There's too many nights that we're we're not, you know, as good as we were when we beat Florida. But the, the one thing we love about our team is that we compete. You know, we'll, we'll block shots with our face. So, you know, we'll do anything it takes um, to play hard. And, and that's the one thing I love about this team and our coach. He's got guys believing. He's got guys playing hard, and it's it's been fun to watch. You know, we're not going to beat you know everybody every night. 
point, but uh, I can guarantee the effort's going to be there, and uh, our guys are 100% committed. So we're, we're a fun and entertaining team to watch. All right, we might need to reconnect maybe with Bill for our last couple of minutes, but I'll ask him this question and see if we just get a better connection through time here. I want to ask you about Dylan Gunther. Uh, played his eighth game against the Panthers. Tonight is number nine for him. And then after that, what happens next with you and Dylan? Well, uh, I mean, he's he's earned his right to, to play for our team. You know, we're going to take it one one game at a time. Uh, but so far, so good. He's, he's done a really good job, and he's produced points. You know, he's been a threat on the power play, and uh, we just love what he's done as a young player. Um, he's obviously got to continue to grow, and we've got a saying, you know, sometimes you can score in the first 10 but uh, NHL games, but it gets harder to score in the next 10. So he's got to make those steps, but so far he's earned his right on the uh, on this team, and, and we'll take it game by game and uh, make that tough decision uh, probably on Friday. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and even in that last game, I mean, early in that game, he got robbed. He had a great shot, um, great opportunity early in that first period and just got robbed. So, I mean, that's all you could ask. Put yourself in a position to make plays. He's been doing that. Yeah, he has. And, you know, when you when he, when he the game settles down a little bit in his mind, you know, and he becomes comfortable in the NHL, he'll, he'll, he'll hit that shot nine out of ten times. Um, he, he's a threat to score. If you watch him in practice, I mean, he, he's a sniper. I mean, he, he our goaltenders have a hard time catching up to his shot. So he's just got to continue to get better. The, the thing about the National Hockey League, it's fast. You know, you just don't quite have that time that you had in junior. So there's a little bit of an adjustment for him. But he thinks the game at a high level, um, and he's very coachable. I know our, our coaches have really enjoyed having him. And he's a young guy. He in some life. You got him and Michelli and McBain into our lineup and plus Moser's not that old and Valimaki and you know we've we've got a young crew that, you know, slowly but surely we're we're, we're starting to turn the ship. Uh let's let's be honest. Any any messages to Keith after you beat Matthew? <laughs> I love him. First of all, I love Keith Kachuk. He's a man. Um, he, he, he he's done a great job as a dad. I always say like, you know, he is the best hockey dad in the world, how he handles his kids. But then again, most nicest kids score a hat trick and they make about $9 million. So it's an easy job for him. What did Brady, (laughs) didn't Brady have a couple against you guys? Yes, he did. Yeah, Brady did. So. Yeah, Brady did, Brady had two, but yeah, he's uh, well, it's unbelievable. He's done a great job with those boys. They're they're both terrific players. Bill, we appreciate the time as always. Best of luck tonight against Dallas. Best of luck on what is a very long road trip for you guys. I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. Okay. Thanks, Burns. Thanks, Gangbo. Take you care. Got it. Bill Armstrong joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Coyotes taking on the Stars tonight at Mullet Arena, their final home game before they go on an extended road trip that lasts all the way through December three years. 9th. Be yeah, back. Gone three we'll be back. three years. By the time they come back, years. Gambo will be retired uh, from Phoenix Radio. You want to know what a good rookie class looks like? We got it for you right here next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> you talk about being green with envy. This next segment of radio is probably going to make most Cardinal fans like Seattle Seahawk mm-hmm. neon green with envy. Yeah. Right? Because we're about to just play the song Hey Jealousy by the Gin Blossoms. <laughs> That's a great song. Hey Jealousy. Did they rename that street hey yet in Tempe? Hey Jealousy. They were going to um, uh, get a street renamed for them. 
in Tempe. Well, they, I've no yeah, they idea. were. No, I, I'm looking at Mitch because I thought he might know. Um, yeah, they were. They were gonna get. They're, they, lo- they're local. They're, they're local. They're, yeah, they're Tempe. They're from Tempe. Wow. And they were gonna get I a did not know street that. named after them in Tempe. I don't know if that has happened yet or not. Mitch, what do you got for me? I'm seeing something from the 13th. So rather recently, Tempe is renaming a section of Eighth Street. Uh, after Allison Road, so you're you're on it there. Yeah, their big hit Allison Road Allison from Road. their yeah. uh, 1993 hmm. release, New Miserable Experience, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they're renaming a part of of that street Allison Road in honor of Gin Blossom. Apropos of absolutely nothing other than yeah, hey jealousy, because we're about Imagine, to have a, yeah. we're about to have a conversation about Seattle's rookies. Imagine drafting an entire class and every player's good. Like, everybody's good. Everybody's contributing. The Seattle Seahawks, and I got blown away by this. I think a lot of people, are, you know, you know, they've got, they get a lot of awards, right? Tariq Woolen and Kenneth Walker, the NFL Rookie of the Month honors, right? Yep. Both of those guys got Rookie of the Month. And um, so that the, the... Ken Walker, the offensive Walker, rookie the offensive, of the month. Tariq and, Woolen, the defensive right. rookie. Here's just some other things. Charles Cross, one of their offensive linemen, 147 pass blocking snaps, zero sacks allowed. Allowed. The Seahawks rookie tackle has been making his presence felt on the line of scrimmage. 147 pass blocking snaps, no, snaps, no sacks allowed. Since week four, yes. Abraham Lucas versus the Giants, 41 pass blocking snaps, no sacks allowed. This rookie uh, has been playing on an elite level. Tariq Woolen threw seven games, four interceptions, tied for the most in the NFL. Six passes defense, second among rookies, 49.7 passer rating. And the list goes on and on. Kobe Bryant threw eight games, four forced fumbles, most in the NFL. NFL, only 257 yards allowed. Now, here's the thing that just absolutely blew my mind. And, and I just, I looked at this one, I just couldn't believe it. I think I said something to you in the email you did, about yes, this. This did. is incredible. Are you talking about the snaps? Combined offensive and defensive snaps for rookies through eight weeks. Okay. So they took every team in the league and they said, how many snaps are you getting out of your rookies? The Arizona Cardinals have gotten 303 snaps out of their rookies on both offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Okay, just let's put it into context here. Okay. The entire draft class of the Arizona Cardinals has 303 snaps on offense and defense. The Seattle Seahawks have over 2,000 more. Over 2,000. 2,359 to be exact. They've they got over 2,000 more snaps from the their rookies most than the Cardinals. snaps of any team out of their rookie draft class in 2022. Nobody's gotten more than the Seattle Seahawks. What gives? What gives? What gives? What gives is they had a really good draft. What gives is they, they had the kind of drafts. They, they had the Darnell Dockett, Larry Fitzgerald kind of draft, right? They, they had that draft where it was just hit, hit, Hit Denny Green. Hit. That was that turned the entire Cardinals around. Like two, two or three drafts by Denny Green turned the whole Cardinals around. Yeah, and we talked with Brock Hewitt about this at two forty five. If you missed our conversation with the Seahawks insider and co host of the Brock and Sox Show from Seattle, and, he, and look, even he said uh, they're bound to hit a wall at some point, right? Like at some point, that's that's probably going to end for that entire class for them to be all this good at the same time the way they are. He doesn't have an expectation that it's going to last, but he compared it to like the Bobby Wagner Russell. Wilson franchise altering when you when you have a draft like that and you just hit yeah. hit 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 it is it changes the course of your franchise because now you're talking about cheap controllable elite talent for years to come and it just lets you spend on everything else that you don't have it's a game changing moment for any organization 2004 Larry Fitzgerald first pick 
Carlos Dansby, second round. Darnell Dockett, third round. Antonio Smith, fifth round. Like, wow. Okay, wow. Like, that's that's pretty freaking amazing to go, you know, go do that. And then uh, the next year, they were able to get Antro Roll. They got J.J. Arrington. But, yeah, it was a couple, just a few, few good drafts in a row. But, like, the Arizona, so now let's go over the rankings because the Cardinals ranked second to last in rookie snaps. Second to last. Uh, 31, 30 teams have had their rookies play more snaps than the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks are number one, Texans two, Bears three, Giants four, Jets five. Seattle, 2003-59, the Cardinals 303. I mean, I don't know who the team is that's 32nd because it doesn't say here, but there's only one team that has less snaps from their rookies than the Cardinals this year. Yeah, and and so this shouldn't surprise us, right? I mean, Trey McBride, we saw the struggles from him last week with the back-to-back holding calls. That was very frustrating. Cameron Thomas, Myjay Sanders, they've seen some playing time, not a lot of playing time. Most of the guys drafted after those players, we've hardly seen at all. Now, of course... Cameron the, Thomas, Myjay Sanders, why aren't, why aren't they playing why aren't more? They playing more? Ingram. I mean, the Cardinals had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight picks. They had eight picks. Mm-hmm. It's not like they had three picks. They traded all their picks and only had three players. They had eight draft picks. And nobody's playing. Right. Nobody's playing. Yeah. And it's this continued kind of theme of, you know, a possible disconnect between front office and coaching staff, you know, picking players that just aren't ready to be used right away. I mean, can you imagine, you know, like a No. I know. I neither can I. No. And you don't even know what I was going to say, but I, I, do. I, I, I can't imagine, can you imagine it either. a draft in which the Cardinals draft five players and they all play are right away. Players. They're play all right impact away. players right away. It, just, it doesn't. Nah, it doesn't happen here. Other, I mean, there have been a few. Kyler, impact player right away. Buddha. Impact player right away. Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson, Marco Wilson played right out away. Of sheer necessity played right away. Right, and and I'm sure what the Cardinals would say is, okay, yeah, but we traded our first round draft pick for Hollywood Brown, and he was playing a bunch of snaps for us, and he got hurt. Right, there's all with the Cardinals. There's always sort of that give and take about their draft picks when they trade picks for players. Do you count the player they acquired in the trade? As the guy in the draft, right? Like Hollywood Brown is technically the Cardinals' first round pick. Do we think of him like that? Do we count him like that? Eight other players were drafted. I'm only going by that. I'm not thinking about. You can't on this one. You you know you can't. I mean, you, you have eight players that are drafted, and they're not playing. Like the the Seahawks had have, have like eight guys that are all playing. Right. Like, I'm like just, you're right. In terms of snap counts, you can't. I'm just talking about in general defending a draft class. You know, forget snaps for a second. Let's defend. Then, then, let, it, then that counts. Yeah. Let's defend the draft class. Well, you gave up a second round pick for Chandler Jones. He was sure. great for five years. Right. You know, you gave a first round pick for Hollywood Brown. He was ter- he was going very well before he got hurt. That's you know that's going to be the defense when you trade the picks for established veterans. When you when it comes to defending a class, Chandler like Thompson played right away. If I remember correctly, Jalen Thompson played right away. The um, supplemental guy. Yeah, not a lot right away, but he played right away. I have to go back and look at the snap counts. I he did. I thought he played right away. But yeah, I, so there's been a few. Byron Murphy had to play right away. Patrick Peterson got hurt. So there's been some guys. But the, it isn't one or... It's, it's, I'm not talking about one guy. I'm talking about a whole class. A whole class. You hit, the reason the Seattle Seahawks are in first place, they hit on their draft picks. They got two guys on the offensive line. They got guys in, in the secondary. They got guys at running back. Like they hit on their draft class. Those guys are like without those players, they're not in first place right now. The closest thing the Cardinals have come to this since that esteemed class of Larry Fitzgerald, right? And I'm just looking through their draft history. 
was probably the 2015 draft. DJ Humphreys in the first round, Marcus Golden in the second, David Johnson in the third, Rodney Gunter in the fourth, J.J. Nelson in the fifth, Shaquille Riddick in the fifth, Gerald Christian in the seventh. So outside of, I mean, Humphreys, obviously, franchise left tackle. Marcus Golden, he left, but he came back, productive, hasn't been as productive this year. David Johnson was a lightning bolt for his first two, three years here, right? And then it all fell off the table. Gunter was a rotational guy. He was steady. He was around for a while. Nelson was, you know, part of the, the BA, no risk it, no biscuit for a couple of years. I'm not saying that's as good as Seattle's class is now. I'm just saying it's the most recent comp we have where you can say, all right, you did a decent job kidding on most of your draft picks in a class. Draft class envy right now. I'm not lying. Like, I got draft class envy. Yeah, well. They got all these kids that are playing. Like, you look, okay, why are they in first place? And we talk about Geno Smith, and we talk about Pete Carroll, but man, we don't ever talk about the rookies, and all of a sudden, rookie of the month on offense, rookie of the month on defense, special teams player of the week. Like, they, they're, they're getting all these awards, and a lot of the awards are going to the rookies. Then you look at their, their linemen. Their linemen aren't giving up any sacks, and they're rookies. Their running back is killing it. He's a rookie. Their defensive backs have been great. Rookies. Like, man, it's a, I, I don't, you know, I can't remember a team having this much success in the draft. Not just the Cardinals, but any team recently. Suns have a tough back-to-back coming up against the same team. How different will their approach be between tomorrow and Saturday? And what's the status of one DeAndre Ayton? We go courtside with our Suns guru, Kellen Olsen. He joins us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Courtside with... Jeez, uh, man, I can't hear anything with all the dribbling. So as I was trying to tell you, this is a new thing called Courtside with Kellen. Kellen Olsen's our son's brainiac, and he knows everything about the Suns and the players like Kellen, so he's got that going for him. Anyhow, here's Kellen. And he's brought to you by Southwest Gas, committed to exceeding expectations today while innovating sustainable solutions for tomorrow. Courtside with Kellen, our weekly visit with our son's guru, brainiac, you got a you got a phrase you prefer? Whatever you weird radio people decide. Well, I don't care. You come up with a new one every year. That's, that's definitely us. We are yeah. We are weird radio people. I'm cool sure. with it. What's up, Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com. You fill you hear him on all of the shows here, and of course he uh, not only covers just the Suns, but he covers mainly the Suns for us at ArizonaSports.com, and he does such a good job doing it. As the Suns off again tonight, and an unusual kind of back to back, both at home against the same team. We'll talk about that. In a minute, the Portland Trailblazers team they've already played this year. Let's look back though a little bit at the win against Minnesota and the, the the obviously the performance by Cam Johnson stands out the most with how he played and the benefits of making him a starter, especially against an opponent like that, were obvious almost from the get-go. Carl Anthony Towns was put in a blender and just could not keep up with Cam at all. No, he, he couldn't at all. And I think what we're just really seeing is that from a continuity standpoint, the Suns have such an edge on everyone else right now in, in the league, on, honestly. I, I just think every other team has some catching up to do. And I was curious to see how much Jay's absence would affect that. And, and it just hasn't really really affected them 
at all in that department. That five has been together for so long now and seen so many situations together that they're coming in and just they're there. Their chemistry, their cohesion, everything is at a 10 out of 10. And then you watch the Timberwolves who like have to figure out, okay, how do we play when Gobert and Towns are in together? How do we play when just Gobert's in? How do we play when just Towns is in? How do we handle crunch time? Are we spacing it? Are we, what are we doing? How does it look with D'Lo in the starting lineup? Are we going to eventually look towards Noel or McLaughlin where the numbers have been pretty great for those two guys? You just look across the league at, at teams really struggling to figure a lot of things out now. And the Suns are just at such an advantage right now. And, and Cam was eventually going to get it going, but, but to this degree has been really encouraging in the last three games. I was curious to see if Minnesota would pose any type of threat with, you know, with Rudy Gobert there now. And he was uh, not a factor in that basketball game at all. He didn't score his first point until a free throw very, very late. But what I loved about the victory for the Suns was that Book was in foul trouble throughout the game. He actually left the game in the fourth quarter for a long time after he picked up his fifth foul um, when Monty had put the starters back in because the bench had struggled, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But, you know, Chris isn't hitting his three-point shots. He hasn't been a scorer for them so far this year. When they needed other guys to step up, they they got it from Cam and McHale. I was really encouraged by how those guys were able to carry the load with Book and Chris struggling. Yeah, no DeAndre Ayton in that game either, and, and Booker was really limited by Anthony Edwards, and like I've, I've seen every game Devin Booker has played for the Suns. That's one of the three, four, five best individual defensive performances I've seen on him by Anthony Edwards, who is hit or miss on defense, but that's like the standard for him. He's a guy to keep an eye on in the league, of course, on both ends. But to go back to the Suns, I think what Monty said about Bridges and Johnson Gambo was a really great point just in that they were doing it within what we do with the cutting, with the open threes, but also it's not just those little spots. They were being more aggressive in those spots, which is where we go back to what we've been talking about for the last month, six weeks with those guys, which is they want to diversify their role. They want them to be more aggressive. They want them to get more shot attempts. They want them to be more involved in the offense so they're more of a threat in April, May, and June as a team because when those guys are bigger threats, no, they're not going to like cover them or double team them by any means. But when they're in those positions where they have to make the defense pay, they're going to be a lot more ready after games like this where that, that was the deal. Gambo, they were playing off those two guys and still letting them get to work, and they, they got burnt. The big question for all of that is Cam and how he defends. How do you think he's held up so far in that regard? He's been good. I think the thing that he hit on with with Cat specifically was just how they did it as a team. They started off the game by doubling on the dribble, so once Cat got the ball, they weren't flashing it over right away, but once he took one dribble, the double was there, and then it was reactive from there. I think that there are specific matchups we're going to have to wait and see. The Clippers game was interesting because that's where Kawhi, the big bulky wings, that's where Jay Crowder is really missed from a matchup perspective. LeBron is another one that comes to mind because, okay, if, if Mikel is guarding LeBron, well, who's covering the point guard? And, and that's where Chris or Devin would have to step in or, or Cam Johnson. I think he's been good. I think Cam is an underrated defender, but he's certainly not a great defender like Jay was, but he's also looking to prove a lot of people wrong. He said that to me in camp. Like He, he knows that there's a standard that Jay holds as a defender and that he's going to get compared to Jay in that sense, and he wants to prove that he's just as good in that regard. I think he's been good to start the year. He's been solid. You can get away with him struggling against those those bigger uh, players that he has to guard if you have rim protection, and that's where I am just blown away by how good Bismack Biombo has been as a rim protector. If you remember the first two shots by Houston in that game were blocked by Bismack. 
back. And then in this game, he had four more block shots. Like, I was worried about losing JaVel McGee because it's it's important to have a rim protector, especially if you do have one defender who's weaker and guys could get by him to have that rim protector there. I think Bismack Biombo has been tremendous for them since, and you know, he's a, he's a perfect teammate. I'll sit, I'll wait. I'll, when I get my opportunity, I'll take advantage of it. He's been phenomenal in these last couple games. Flandale's been good there too, Gambo. Yeah, they've just got a real core defensively that has really surprised me. I think all of us would agree right now that they've been better defensively than offensively to start the year, and that's not what I was picking to start the year. I thought it would be the inverse, really, and they've been fantastic on both ends with the record that they've had, but with that being said, defensively, they've just been so good. I think Landale in particular was someone where you had to have like a wait-and-see kind of approach with how he fit in as a rim protector, but he's got really good size for the position, and he, he moves well and just understands the spots he needs to be in. Only his second year in the league, but that's when you go back to uh, Bismack. We talked to Steven Silas before the Houston game who actually coached Bismack in Charlotte at the beginning of Bismack's year and he just said he's so good in those ball screen situations where he's in a drop because he's he's seen thousands of those and Steven Silas was speaking from the perspective of a guy, of guys who have seen maybe a couple dozen times they've seen certain things as really young players but Bismack's seen this stuff thousands of times already where I guess a young team like that he is going to be in the absolute perfect position every single time and there's just some better and savvy he has Gambo that's really so valuable to this team in spots like this where they need him. All that being said, give us a DeAndre Eaton update because I understand at practice today he was moving around doing DeAndre Eaton things and Monty was asked about it. What, what, what's your read on the situation? Yeah, the little things you can pick up. Uh, DeAndre after or sorry, before the Minnesota game he was doing his usual warm-ups on the court. That's usually a good sign. The guys are progressing. He wasn't out there Sunday, of course, because that was just a day or two after the diagnosis had come out and then he was with his shooting route group after practice. Monty said that he did participate in practice, and it's a will-see thing, but the fact that it's even being discussed that he could potentially play or not is is a good sign that he's going to meet that week timeline, which would be on Saturday. That, yeah. that would be a full week, so it seems like he's going to be either playing on Friday or Saturday, or just about be there and be ready for this this big road trip that got I, coming I up. I heard Gambo. their hope is that he would play in one of these two games, one of these two with Portland, but I would think Saturday would be more likely. So you don't put him on a back-to-back situation, you know, the back-to-back yeah, situation. You, you got Philly on that road trip. You're going to want him for MB, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, so. and that's on Monday of that. Yeah, so, um, but before that, two games against Portland, and we were talking before we went on the air, and, and yeah, if you want to play the revenge angle, you could, because obviously Portland handed the Suns their only loss so far of the season. Um, but I know the piece that you're working on for ArizonaSports.com right now, just a little teaser, if you will, is a Portland team that honestly didn't get a lot of conversation in the Western Conference and I mean even without Dame Lillard they've played well to start this year and there are some pieces and parts there that suggest that maybe this team is a little bit better than people thought at the beginning of the season yeah definitely the comparison I'm making and I understand their core differences with it but it's back to that 13-14 Suns team you remember that team Gamble we thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league and the Channing Fry team Jeff Hornacek they won yeah of course uh, they they almost made the playoffs two games back I think almost made the the playoffs playoffs. yeah but when you've got that high-end talent like Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe were both All-NBA caliber Goron made All-NBA that year. You've got Damian Lillard in Portland, of course, but then you look at like these little under-the-radar moves they've made, like getting Jeremy Graham for the price they did, like having Josh Hart around, like picking up a Justice Winslow guy who we've had the if he's healthy line in front of him for five years now running, but they've got some pieces there in their, in their young core as well. Simons and Sharp are really interesting, so I kind of look... Simons is good. Yeah, the corollaries there between those two teams are really interesting, and you just kind of look at Utah as one of those teams as well, but they're a lot better than, than I was expecting, honestly. I 
I think defensively they were just an absolute mess last year, and they look pretty solid this year. And then when you look at that roster, you're like, yeah, Grant's a great defender. Hart's a great defender. They picked up some pieces, and right now they're doing it without Gary Payton II, who Bernsey was saying before the break, man, Golden State misses that guy to say the least. He hasn't even so much. He hasn't even played this year. So, so they've got like eight, nine deep, and if this sharp kid from Kentucky can play right away, he's in the starting lineup, and he will be if Dame doesn't play on Friday. It's just a really good sign that he's developed trust, and Monty had some good stuff to say on him today at practice that they, you really like the glue stuff that he's doing. Like, yes, he's a highlight reel kind of guy who can hit a lot of threes and stuff, but he does a lot of stuff inside the layers of the game that makes sense. So I, I like this Portland team, and if you're looking at this and kind of rolling your eyes at the play-in team that they're going to be playing for two games, even if Dame doesn't play, they've been a surprise, and, and it's going to be worth tuning in, I think. Kellen, good stuff. We appreciate it. As always, thanks for carving out a few minutes for us. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olsen, ArizonaSports.com, our son's insider, our son's guru, joining us here for his weekly segment on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, oh yeah, it's mock draft season. Wait, wait, huh. what? It's mock draft season? Maybe on Sunday. Really? That's next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. I'll be honest, if I were making a bet, which one of the two of us would be the first to include a mock draft in the email to the other? Ha! Huh, I would have way bet on me. I would have way bet on me. So bet on me. Yeah, but you do know that there comes a point in the season where I believe you need to root for your team to lose. Root's that, a strong that, word, that, but I understand what you're saying. That yes. you prefer, yeah, no, I root. Like, you want your team to lose. Like, when, when all is lost and you come to the conclusion that you're not going to the playoffs, what the hell's the difference between a 500 team and a game, a team that's three games below 500 and has better picks in every single round? I wouldn't use the word root. I would use the word tolerate. You tolerate your team's losing. That's, Be, I root. You, know, you So you sit on the couch and you I actively cheer yes. against the... See, I just can't do that. Yes, I, can't, I, 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 I do. I can't do that. I can't do that. I won't do that. But I'll tolerate them losing, knowing that there's a better draft pick coming. I'll tolerate them losing because I know that they're getting more ping pong balls in the NBA or whatever. But, yeah, I get it. There is that point. And if the Cardinals lose this Sunday to the Seattle Seahawks, we might very well be at that point. 3-6, and 0-3 in the division. You're looking at a big hole that you just might not be able to climb out of. That being said, I'm given that mock draft aren't your favorite thing in the whole world. I'm sort of surprised you were the first one to include one in an email yeah, so far this year. I, I was just thinking, like, wow, if they lose this game to Seattle and they're three and six, we're, we're there. We're like right there. We're going to start thinking about, you know, the Cardinals. That's, and and that's so and, funny. We're talking about mock drafts. I look up on ESPN. Mel Kiper Jr. is big board. He's already right. talking about it. He's ready. <laughs> He's ready. We're not the only one thinking, that, hey, you know what? Let's talk about the draft. Okay, but here's the, here's the reality there are several teams in this league right now. That can start looking at the draft. That can start. They can oh, start sure. the process right oh my now. Gosh, yes. The Pittsburgh Steelers at two and six are thinking about the draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars are thinking about the draft. The Houston Texans, the Las Vegas Raiders are thinking about the draft. The Lions, the Detroit Lions, thinking about the draft. The Panthers, I know they're only. 
two games out of first, but that game against Atlanta, <laughs> they're two and six. They're thinking about the draft. There are several teams that aren't there yet, but are right on the verge. So I'd leave it about what? About six or seven teams that right now can start think their fan bases can start thinking about you're not going anywhere. The Raiders aren't going anywhere. This season's done. It was a disaster. A terrible year for Raiders football. They could start thinking about the draft. I, I do have a few teams that aren't thinking about the draft. You know why? Because they don't have first round picks. Uh, Cleveland Browns, aren't they? You raise that hand, raise it proudly in there. Wait, Mitch what am I saying? Just just no, you got to pick mind. back. You no, got to first round. Sure pick. you did. Yeah, you know what? This was. You know what? This story I'm looking at was from before. Yes, it was. They, got, right. they got yeah, the first they round got pick. one back. Yeah, They're, every year they'll trade one of their, their best pass rusher, and they'll get a, they'll get a pick. Browns don't have one. The Rams don't have one. The Saints don't have one. 49ers don't have one. Those are the teams that don't have one right now. Of course, the Broncos were also on this list. But to your point, they they so do you have one. Are you glad that the Cardinals have one? Oh, well, the alternative could have been that they traded the pick. Um, for Bradley Chubb and the contract extension he signed, I still would have done that. I right. st- that's me. Yeah, we've, yeah. we've talked about this. Okay, what if it was for a cornerback? For a uh, not as big of a need for me, right? Pass rusher for a pass rusher. Yes, I'll trade my first. I'll trade my first to get an established one, and I'll pay that guy. What did he get? One hundred and twenty million, one hundred nineteen yeah. million, yeah. something like got that. A new got deal the details. Today. Yeah, he got a new deal today. Over as expected, million. Eric Burkhart, his agent. Boy, it's been a banner year for Eric Burkhart. By the oh, way, he's making money hand over fist. <laughs> Eric Burkhart has. He's had a very, very nice two thousand twenty-two. Um, text yeah. him and tell me he owes me dinner. I'm sorry. I should text him and tell me he owes me dinner. Does he? I don't know. I'm just something to try to get something out of him for nothing. Okay. You know? I was going to say, does does he in yeah. fact owe you dinner, or are you just trying to mooch off of him for good no, no, he, he's, he's, he's just trying to mooch. He's That's had all. a great year. He has Kyler Cliff now, Bradley Chubb. Yeah, he's done very well. Um, I would have I would have been fine with the Cardinals trading their uh, future first for a, 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 an established player of positional significance, you know, pass rusher. Not a corner, because I don't think they need one of those. But, you know, they're, they're the big four. There's quarterback, left tackle, there's edge rusher, and there's corner. I, I feel like the Cardinals, if they had moved the first pick. But since they didn't, yeah, I'm glad they have one. It's just a question of, okay, what do you need? What are you going to do? Well, here's what we have. With the 11th pick in the NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Paris Johnson, tackle, Ohio State. Play, uh, who, who do you think it is? You think it's Maloney or Sarah or Mitch? <laughs> I think. Play I'm, it, Mitch, play I'm it. I'm hoping this year Eric's going to get in on some of these, yeah. too. Um, what do we call those things? He did them last year, oh, too. Oh, that's right. Um, my apologies. Yeah. My apologies. Play the, what do we call them? They're called uh, vignettes. Profiles. Play or the profiles. profile. Play the profile for Paris Johnson. Yeah. Here's what they say the Cardinals still have DJ Humphreys to hold down left tackle for a while, but we'll need some more pop opposite him at right tackle to help Kyler in the traditional run game. Johnson's an astral pass protector who can blossom into an the run blocker too. So they'll draft him and then the coaching staff won't play him and you know, what? Who are the Cardinals going to draft that the coaching staff won't play? That's actually the question. Yes. I mean, really, when you break it down to the nuts and bolts, that's the question. Who are the Cardinals going to draft that the coaching staff won't play? I'm sorry, we're going to... Trust me, if you see the clouds and the rain, we're in a snarky mood here on the Burns and Gambo show. If you had just flipped drafts with Seattle, none of those guys would be playing right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> None of them. There wouldn't be any offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, no, eight no. guys like they kill it at three thousand snaps. It'd be they'd, they'd have three hundred snaps if the Cardinals had drafted those guys because right. the coaching staff doesn't play them. Far be it for me to rip a mock draft, um, but I don't believe this mock draft for a second. You know why? Josh Jones. I think Josh Jones is going to be a starter tackle next year. Josh Jones actually played well. Played well. Against the Vikings. Yeah. He actually, you know. But if not, you can get a tackle, look, you, you got to start looking at DJ Humphreys and his age. And can you move him inside? Or can can you move DJ to right tackle? And DJ's still been good. He's still good. He's still been good. And he's still, I, I, I think, you know, I, again, the draft, it all depends on what you do in free agency, too. Like, right, what holes do you fill in free agency before you go into the draft? I just think if you're, if you're hitting zoom out on the Cardinals yeah. and, and not knowing what you're going to do in free agency, who you keep. Who you let walk? I think a tackle they're okay with DJ and Josh Jones on the other side. You want a guard? I I, I either want well, I want a center, or I want a pass rusher. I want a I want a bona fide. I got the guy they're going to take edge rusher. Who Notre Dame's tight end Michael Mayer? <laughs> what? Good, another tight end. There's so many tackles that are projected right now. That's the thing. Like, there's so many offensive tackles that are projected. Paris Johnson, Ohio State. Peter Skornoski, Northwestern. There's a Maryland kid, Jalen Duncan. So there's a lot of a lot of tackles, a lot of good tackles. Like if yeah, if it's a if it's a good year for tackle, you take a tackle. Well, I, I, not you, necessarily. I mean, not, I mean I, I, do, you, do you think that's the biggest need of the Cardinals? I think I think offensive line is a need. Okay, well, offensive line is different than tackle. Yeah, they're I not, mean they're not exclusive. I mean they're, they're yeah, uh, no, an offensive I, line, I, a center. Oh yeah, they need listen, a center. I mean they need an edge rusher. They need an edge so, rusher the worst kind of way. I just don't think I specifically a tackle. I actually feel pretty good about where they are with their tackles. Okay, as long as Josh Jones continues to play well, that's just my opinion. I, you know, Nolan Smith, Georgia edge rusher. Let's get him. Let's go get me an edge rusher. Let's go get an edge rusher. Go get me a nice, cheap, productive edge rusher that one of these days the Cardinals are going to have to give yeah. $150 million to. Yeah, they'll pay him. They can Sounds like sit a him dream. for a year and then play him in two years. <laughs> yeah, and there's that, there's that snark today. You're bringing the snark, Gambo. You got it in spades. Coming up, 4 o'clock reset. A lot going on in the world of sports. We haven't even talked about yet, for goodness sakes, and we'll do it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.